Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me live and in person yes. for the first time uh, in a while is Nick. Out of the cell. Out of fucking the plague ward into the somehow worse plague ward uh, of our recording studio. It's not too bad. Yeah, it's it's going to be unfortunate. Um, we just do not have the uh, the healthcare infrastructure in this recording studio to take care of each other. It's true. <laughs> like as a shitty nurse, <laughs> she isn't doing shit. Uh, we got we're having a celebratory, uh, probably three person uh, serving of uh, of of old crow apiece. Um, and we are on part five of the French invasion of Russia. Out of how many parts? Six. We're wrapping oh. it up in six. All right. Uh, mostly due to our schedules being insane right now and um, it, me not wanting to write 10 parts of uh, the sure. series. And also, like, our 100th episode is coming up. And I did not plan ahead. Of uh, I was like, oh, I'm ready to start a series. And um, I didn't, like, think of, like, this has to be wrapped up within seven. <laughs> Otherwise. Oh, that makes sense. Our 100th. Anniversary special will just be, be a part of the series. series. Yeah, yeah. As you can tell, uh, I do not plan well. One hundred point two. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's like some podcasts have done that. Like this is ninety nine point five. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, so when we left you last week, Napoleon and his army had taken the smoking ruins of Moscow. Uh, most people assumed Alexander would have to make peace with the French emperor, and the French assumed that the war was pretty much over. The Russians largely thought the same thing. Uh, other than like the nobles and the the high command of the military, most soldiers and civilians are like, huh, guess it's over. I mean, normally when your capital is raised to the fucking ground, right? It's a hint, like, hmm, time to give it up. Um, like ret- French soldiers ran into retreating Russian ones outside the capital as they were just like not sure what to do, and like, uh, well, you're like, they trade food with them, they like treat their <laughs> wounds, you have food, and like they, they just like let them leave. Like, bye. That, that guy gave me a biscuit. Yeah. He's cool. I got to eat his toenails. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most people just thought that the fighting was over and everything else is just a formality. Like, they just have to sign some paperwork or whatever. Nice. Uh, Napoleon was only disappointed about this whole thing because there's no official delegation waiting for him. Like, I had to look up why he was mad about this. Uh, so it's customary for civil authorities of a city that is captured to ceremoniously kind of present the keys to the city to the conquering officer. What? Yeah. Uh, at which point the conqueror can then talk to the, the governor or whatever. Um, if you, you know, if you remember from our last episode, Moscow's governor was a huge piece of shit, yeah. <laughs> but he's gone long gone. Um, he's in St. Petersburg with the czar, but normally uh, the conquerors talks to the governor like, Hey, this is how I'm going to run the city. I'm going to keep you in place. Uh, we're just going to be here a while. Uh, you know, the, the, the civil administration, how it will continue. Um, but the problem was, like, the civil administration of the city, like I just said, had ran uh, days before. And uh, virtually every Russian uh, of means had also run. The city was pretty much just foreigners and peasants. Everybody that had any means to run had done so. I think I would have ran too. I definitely would have. Yeah. Um, when it became clear that the Russians had no intention of being traditional, Napoleon simply dismissed them as barbarians. Uh, he he also attempted to like find people to start his own version of the civil administration, but everybody that was left behind was like not government workers. They were mostly illiterate and like couldn't afford. Like there's a, a lot of sex workers and like criminals. So like, well, I can't make you the fucking governor. <laughs> You gave me the keys from your taint. I mean, I would rather. Pe- I mean, th- to be fair, a uh, 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 Muscovite street sex worker would probably be a better candidate than the last governor, uh, anyway. So it's like, fuck it, why not? Uh, also, the Imperial Guard uh, of Napoleon's army was pretty upset that no Russians came out to listen to their band. Really? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, not a single Russian came out to see us. We're and- wasting precious calories <laughs> playing these instruments. We're hungry. Uh, and. People were like uh, disappointed. Like now, about a, a small section of the city had been burned. The major fires hadn't quite started yet. And oh, there's more fires. Yeah, coming. yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, that people were like writing home to their own wives. Like, I'm really disappointed as I had not seen any attractive women here. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, dude, it's your wife. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> Maybe she's in on it too. Well, one of them was talking about I looked forward to having a mistress while I was away from you, but now I see that's not a possibility. Wow. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 
Turns out marriages back then are a lot more fucked up than they are today. Yeah. Um, there's another thing that the civil authorities were supposed to do, um, and that was find billets uh, for the incoming soldiers, as well as make arrangements as to how to feed them. Because, you know, officers try to pawn off as much work as they can on somebody mm, else. Yes. Like, I don't need to find where my army needs to live and eat. You you do that. Um, yeah, they, that didn't happen. Uh, since those were not in place, the French army just kind of went wild, uh, trying to find houses to live in, uh, like anywhere with a roof, and how to feed themselves. And Napoleon issued a strict no looting order. I imagine that got broken. Uh, well, that's the thing. Is it for now? It was largely followed. But the thing was, is that a lot of the city was abandoned, and they're like, "Well, if nobody's here, it's not looting. Mm. That's just burglary. <laughs> <Yes>. That's different." <laughs> <laughs> so like. They would like some soldiers went door to door, like begging people who still live there, like, please give us something. Uh, other people just broke into fucking vacant houses and looted them uh, and said, like, nope, semantics. It's not looting if nobody's here. They, they didn't claim it as they theirs. They said I could. Like, it's their fucking house. <laughs> Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all about to be burned down anyway. <laughs> um, to make matters worse, the city's new owner, uh, for the city's new owners, the Russian governor, who we talked about before, uh, had ordered the police superintendent to stay behind and continue setting fires. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, Anarchy. <laughs> so, like, uh, uh, Russian cops were running around setting buildings on fire, like, <laughs> detonating powder charges and stuff like that. Uh, That's a game. Yeah, yeah. That's a movie. That's awesome. The only cool cops ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and some of them had been set beforehand, um, but then uh, the, as soon as the French thought they had them under control, they just pop up somewhere else. And like we talked about, most cities back then are wood. So like once they sparked, it just ran out of control. And the, the, the governor also did one more dick move was uh, take every water pump with him out of the city. So the French had no way to fight the fires. Uh, yeah. Spit Whoops. on it. Everybody's dehydrated, starving. <laughs> just, just dust comes out and they try to spit. My lips are dry. <laughs> they, they try to spit their cracked lips, just break <laughs> apart and blood flies out. Uh, all of these fires um, in the anarchy in the city kind of for, eventually forced Napoleon to leave uh, Moscow and, and move a couple of miles away. <laughs> this place sucks. Like, imagine that like, your general is like, hmm, I'm out of here. But like, you guys go ahead and stay here because <laughs> yeah. like the rest of the army still had to stay in Moscow. The fires will keep you warm. He was mostly worried because um, he was staying in the Kremlin and the basement of the Kremlin was a huge supply of powder chargers and stuff. Like, it's only a matter of time for somebody blows, problem. <laughs> blows this whole fucker up and kills you. Um, so he moved a few miles outside just to be safe. Um, all while his soldiers had to stay behind while the city burnt around them and exploded. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't warn anybody too about the powder chargers. He's just like, I gotta go. They'll probably figure it out. Um, one of the buildings that did blow up uh, was a Russian army hospital that was treating the wounded from the Battle oh, of Bordeaux. <laughs> we'll probably be all right. Uh, what was that building? The Russian hospital. Just from a distance, Napoleon's going, hmm. <laughs> this is bad. This is, this is real bad. Uh, the sol- like I said, the soldiers couldn't do anything uh, to put the fires out. But the cops were like, this is working all too well. This is why everybody's criminals. This is way funner, guys. <laughs> yeah, this is cool. <laughs> um, so the French had another way to deal with it, and that was tried to uh, track down the people starting the fires and, and arrest them, which just turned into them shooting everybody that they found. A <laughs> 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 um, cop looking in a mirror, arrested. <laughs> uh, they also began looting the fuck out of the city while, uh, while Napoleon was gone. Because like, Emperor's gone, law doesn't apply anymore. <laughs> Uh, and then they were aided in the looting by civilians and Russian soldiers themselves. <laughs> they just look at each other. You're hungry too. <laughs> Sometimes they actively helped one another. Uh, like imagine like a cop setting a fire. Like, wait, Sergey, we can just steal this shit. We don't have to set on fire. Like, mm, I didn't think of this. <laughs> but afterwards, like the army pretty much dissolved. Uh, soldiers and officers were drunk and riding stolen gilded chariots through the street while sold while other soldiers killed each other over the best loot. What? <laughs> it's Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> like, there was no, uh, it wasn't like the French versus the Russians in the looting. It was like roving packs of soldiers from various Just different gates. countries. Like, hey, fuck that guy. He's got the piano. What street are you on? Yeah. We're on this street. Motherfucker, what block are you from? <laughs> uh, soldiers robbed one another and small roving hordes of bandits formed to prey upon the weak and the unarmed. 
The, uh, they, I mean, I, I'm trying to gloss over this so we can continue laughing, but they also did just awful shit to the women in the city that were still there that we won't go into. Oh. Um, and they beat and mugged everybody else while literally stealing the clothes off of their back. Um, they, and then there was a, uh, there's other times where they would rob somebody, and then they're like, you carry the stuff that I stole from you and follow me. What? Yeah, <laughs> like they just like pick up slaves You're and my shit. Baggage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the city burned up uh, and, and things kind of devolved into anarchy on the inside for three fucking days. <laughs> it's the annual purge of Moscow. See, now the privates are in charge of the generals because the generals are in the lower rung of the gang. I mean, when you think it's about insane. it, that's almost certainly what would happen because like the generals are all old as shit. Yeah. The private's like, no, no, look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Carry my shit. Give me your hat. <laughs> When the flames finally did die down, Napoleon re-entered the city and everybody stopped acting an ass. Like, oh, fuck, Emperor, shut back up. Put this shit down! Stop looting! <laughs> you just have a guy just holding shit? <laughs> Does that, do I have to put my slaves back? No, he's actually cool with that. Okay. While a murder, robbing, and raping uh, free-for-all was all over, it still left Napoleon with a pretty serious problem. Not the fact that he committed an army of psychopaths, but Alexander was still refusing to negotiate. His plan was to force Alexander's hand by turning Russian society against him. You know how we've talked about before, how this would be really, really easy to do if he just, like, freed the serfs? Still refused to do that. Um, instead, he tried to find the disenchanted bougie fucks who already ran most of Russian society, like nobles, merchants, and liberal-leaning aristocrats. Right. Did not work. Uh, he couldn't even find a Russian willing to spy for him, regardless of how much money he gave them. What? He really underestimated how much people fucking hated him in Russia. I'll do a lot for a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm willing to, like, betray America for some money, but, like, uh, he really underestimates just how much Russians hated Napoleon and how much they liked the Tsar. Because uh, while all this is going on, uh, it while the nobles, are, the nobles are hating on the Tsar, like, this guy's a fucking idiot, he doesn't know what he's doing, everyone else in Russian society is like, we all must circle our wagons around the Tsar. <laughs> he's coming to dethrone him. I don't know. Which is really weird because, like, the dude has done nothing for you. What if this guy offered you lunch? <laughs> Napoleon's like, I will just give you food. Uh, the Tsar doesn't do that either. <laughs> All he had to do was free the serfs and arm them, and that would have been done. Uh, but he wouldn't do it. And, I mean, that's why Alexander, he wanted to free the serfs. And then he's like, hmm, if I do that, they'll probably all just rise up against me. <laughs> uh, nope, nope, slavery's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like the and, and and the other thing he could use is like, look, clearly I've defeated your czar. I've conquered Moscow. But like the whole fucking thing was burnt to the ground. And like so it offered no like political uh points, no propaganda value, because it's all ruined. So he just kind of sat there like pouting. He didn't want he what he did know is he did not want to stay in Moscow for very long. And so he started to make plans to leave Moscow to withdraw. That place sucks. So I would leave too. But the problem was he didn't have anywhere to withdraw to. Uh, everything behind him was a burnt-out hellscape of nothingness. In random roving gangs. Yeah, that were his former army. That were formerly his army. <laughs> uh, he could split his army in two, which is always a bad idea. Because, the, like I said, the Tsar's in St. Petersburg. He's like, well, I could bring this shit right to the Tsar's doorstep. Uh, but it, all of his plans were bad, and his advisors openly told him that. Even the ones that were like, we'll invade the moon if he told us to. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, nah, man, we probably shouldn't attack St. Petersburg. And so the first time, this dissent actually made him doubt himself. Really? For maybe like the first and last time ever. <laughs> He's like, hmm, I have fucked up. Uh, Napoleon saw no military course to follow that would get him out of this problem, which is bad because military solutions are the only thing Napoleon's good at. So he went back to attempting negotiations. He sent one delegation after another to St. Petersburg, uh, each one telling him, you know, I just want peace. Also, sometimes he'd snap at them and give them a letter um, to hand to the czar that was like, you're a fucking barbarian. You burnt down your own capital, you fucking piece of shit. Like, just get, he'd fly into a rage and make the delegation write down what he was saying. And that would follow the last letters like, we just want to be friends. <laughs> like, I, don't, so, I don't think the czar is actually reading them. But if he did, this guy's fucking bipolar. Bipolar is fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and Napoleon ignored his Did you get my last text? <laughs> I, I sent you a picture of my penis. Please respond. Um, it's just a shitty drawing. <laughs> Napoleon ignored his aide, uh, 
uh, Kalancor, who told him, like, you know, every time you, you send one of these, it lets the Tsar know that we're kind of desperate. Like, maybe stop doing that. You're making us look weak. But he just could not. Foolish. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he just, aid. He, just, he just kept making an ass of himself. And this is like the one aid that stayed with him for the entire campaign. Everybody else would eventually just like throw their hands up. Fuck this guy. I'm done. <laughs> or just this like guy get, cared. Or just get sent away. And he was all the way back to episode one. He has been right every step of the way. <laughs> if this guy was emperor instead of Napoleon, the world would have probably been a better place. Fuck. Napoleon could have been the face and this guy could have just been orchestrating the whole thing. Yeah. That would have been D- cool Deep too. Deep state Kalimcore. Yeah. Yeah. It also didn't help that uh, when he finally did enlist a Russian uh, to to be a delegation, it'd be like, see, Napoleon's treating the Russians fine. Uh, he's immediately uh, stopped, arrested, and tortured for being a French spy, and his whole family was killed. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Does it? It's not good to work for Napoleon no. if you're Russian. And, and the thing is, I think the Russians knew that. Like, so everybody's like, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm not patriotic. I just don't want to <laughs> die. And the guy in the back who really didn't hear what was being said. I'll do it. Yeah. How much money again? Yeah. Line them up. Let's do this. Um, now, despite knowing that he didn't want to stay in Moscow, Napoleon decided that they probably should stay in Moscow for the winter. Awaiting word from Alexander. Yeah. There's fires there. It's warm. Yeah. Uh, this is actually the best idea he had. Uh, while most of Moscow had burned, a lot of its resources had actually survived underground cellars. So, I mean, it gave him like six months of food. Nice. Which is more months of food that they've had since day yeah. one. <laughs> Score! <laughs> yeah. Um, though there was virtually nothing left to feed horses. Um, Don't need them. And you know how I said uh, this is Napoleon's descent into madness? Have you ever um, looked into like what Hitler was doing in his bunker in the last days? He was like... No, actually. He, so he very obviously was falling into a, a, a an endless pit of, of insanity mixed with delusions. And he was like ordering phantom divisions around to break through to Berlin that just didn't exist. So looking at a wall, uh, well, he was giving orders to several officers and like field marshals and, and, and drawing on maps and stuff. And everybody's like, dude has lost his shit. You're drawing on a coloring book. Uh, yeah, it, it, that is shoots and ladders, sir. Uh, well, Napoleon started doing kind of the same thing. He didn't completely lose his mind, but he was drawing up massive requisition orders, like for tens of thousands of horses and hundreds of pounds of food that just did not exist. And like people, are like there is not this many horses left in the city of Moscow. He's like, well, bring them from Paris. Like, do you not understand <laughs> what happened when we came here? <laughs> And like, they aren't just, these horses capable of mating? So people like would just sigh and like put his letter in the mail, <laughs> like knowing that it would never be answered. Uh, but and also being in Moscow allowed his soldiers to rest because remember they're literally walking to death. So the staying in Moscow short term was the best plan that he had, even if it was still incredibly bad because uh, it's not good. But uh, when every plan is shit. Uh, you, you have to pick the least shittiest, and this one at least keeps him alive for a couple months. Maybe. Get a chill. Probably not, but maybe. Napoleon also sent word back to everywhere throughout the empire for reinforcements. Um, he was cu- First, he came up with a defensive strategy that would defend his gains through Russia up until Moscow. Um, and it was mostly to ensure his lines of communication back to the Empire stayed open. Because remember, he's still running the entire French Empire. Right. Um, the problem was, is remember how we said all the way back uh, hours ago that the, the formation of the Grand Army had pretty much already scraped the bottom of the barrel? So these were getting whatever's below that. I don't know what the They're saying is. They're busting through the barrel. Yeah. You're, fit, you're like punching through the barrel and pulling up dirt. Like, look, we found some more stuff in the barrel. Um. Most were sick, untrained, and unmotivated, and they pretty much deserted as soon as they could. Um, one unit made it was made up of Spaniards, which, remember, he's in the middle of a guerrilla mm. war in Spain at the time, who immediately attempted to shoot their own commander and run away. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. I mean, I always advocate for people doing that. <laughs> um, the soldiers... I haven't. <laughs> I mean, I say that as a joke. It, it is a parody. Uh, I, I'm not wearing my uniform right now. <laughs> The soldiers who didn't desert outright saw the devastation of the original march as they marched down the same road, and uh, they too began to go hungry, and they soon fucking ran away. leaving the city, they're like, fuck, I'm hungry. Yeah, like they, <laughs> That's they, how I feel all the time. <laughs> they see the first uh, uh, group of people deserting, like, ha, 
fucking pussies. And then they like take one step into pull and they're like, fuck this. That's for every fucking two mile run. It's like, oh, fuck, I'm already tired. <laughs> I'll see you all in hell because I'm going to die on this run. And then the ones that made it even further than that were greeted by uh, packs of dogs eating dead Holy bodies in the shit. street of Smolensk that they never cleaned up. It's like uh, this a bunch smart- of healthy dogs. <laughs> Can we kill and eat the dogs? No, they're stronger than us now. <laughs> Fuck. They're, they're leaders now. Will, will, will they share the bodies? Only if we do weird hand stuff. Look, we have to negotiate now. <laughs> weird. You know, the, the end of the French Empire is really interesting because three of that marshals of the empire were actually just stray dogs from Smolensk. <laughs> they had the fucking the hat on and just... They, they had, they the had fucking a, a, a fucking marshal baton in between their teeth. Marshall Spot, what should I do here? Uh, you always say I should growl at them. <laughs> so the episode of The Simpsons where he asks him, like, when he's trying to write the food review, he's like, how, how should I describe the food? <laughs> it's like, you, you always say that it's tough. <laughs> Chewy? Like, no, that won't work either. <laughs> but now Sanders' little helper is a fucking Marshall. Uh, and if you think that this would like be a really good time for the uh, the Russian Empire to have its shit together to go on the counterattack, you would be right. But also, they did not. <laughs> uh, Alexander was in Saint Petersburg and had no fucking idea what was going on. Kutuzov had last told him that they defeated the French at Borodino, and everybody else was celebrating. Like they had like parades in the street of Saint Petersburg. Uh, Kutuzov was promoted to marshal. Uh, it's like he's the savior of Moscow. All meanwhile, Moscow is literally burning to the ground. Just asking, how are the par- parades in Moscow going? Oh, good. <laughs> They're fire, sir. Nice. Uh, yeah, like he. Everybody could not did not have enough nice things to say about Kutuzov, which is interesting because Kutuzov probably also didn't know what zip code he was in because he's old and delirious. He's the fucking Joe Biden of generals. Hash browns. That's uh, not a battle plan. Marshal Kutuzov, what should we do about Moscow? Where are my shoes? <laughs> Sir, they're, they're on your feet. Somebody get me my oatmeal. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's the best plan I've heard. We can't plan anything after 5 p.m. because he starts sundowning. Uh, so the, the 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 czar actually found out from his mother about the fall of Moscow in a letter what? weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> My Sunday home was burned down. Which is interesting because K- Kutuzov is sending him letters this whole time and neglecting to tell him about Moscow. And the last thing he remembered uh, ordering Kutuzov to do was defend Moscow, which Kutuzov was just like... Nah. You're just trying to just go around the world with that question, like, "Oh, how's Moscow? Have you had the burritos down in St. Petersburg <laughs> down Ma- the street? <laughs> Moscow is great. Let's talk about those dogs in Smolensk. I feel like they have great military capabilities. <laughs> yeah. Heard they fucked up a bunch of French guys. Okay, but what about the Kremlin? Ah, the creme brulee in St. Petersburg. Mm. Oh, Katuzov wandered off. Where's he going? Uh, I mean, there, to be fair, there's a there's a good. He's chasing down a s- small boy's Sunday trousers. He's just running around in circles trying to bite his own ass. <laughs> um, and uh, he had no, like, uh, Alexander didn't know um, about any of that, but he also had no intentions of making peace. Um, and he pretty much declared, I mean, remember before he said there's never going to be negotiations as long as there's French soldiers on Russian soil. But... Before, it wasn't a fight to the death. It was like, we'll talk when you leave. We'll talk. But now it's a fight to the death. He said, quote, Napoleon or me, him or me, we cannot reign together. One of us has to go. I mean, he'd end up being right. Cage match. <laughs> yeah. You and me, Sunday, <laughs> WrestleMania. <laughs> for the whole, for the hardcore oh, title. fuck. Napoleon would come out like, uh, who's the fucking guy with the streamers on his arm? Oh, the, would uh, hit the ultimate warrior uh, on the fucking ropes. <laughs> <laughs> My fucking dad used to do that shit. The best part is like, and, and like Alexander's still pretty young and he has this weird multicolored bullet thing going on. And Napoleon is in his late forties and just fat as fuck and have hemorrhoids and chunky pits. I would pay to watch this fight. His fucking tassels would be shoelaces <laughs> from the shoes that his soldiers don't have. <laughs> his tassels would be attached to his flapping fucking wings of, uh, of extra skin. They also double as floaties. Uh, so 
this is despite the fact that Alexander really didn't have much of an army left himself. Um, I mean, they had kind of won Borodino, but they took insane amounts of casualties. Uh, and the Russian soldiers had collapsed in, into a state of panic and, and looting and violence, as they're, just like their French counterparts had, because they assumed their government was falling apart when they watched the capital burn or when they retreated. Um, one of Kutuzov's aides, though, they didn't bother punishing him for this because they just simply couldn't punish that many people. Like they, they said, like, how, how are we going to punish a thousand people a day? It simply doesn't make sense. We'll just have to allow them to continue on as they're just like destroying the countryside and killing their own people. They all had a lineup and everybody just. Yeah, everybody, everybody line up and Kutuzov's going to smack you with his baton. But it's uh, not hard. Trust me. He's kind of yeah. weak. Yeah, he's real feeble. Uh, various officers blamed each other for the situation from the Tsar to Kutuzov to Barclay, who had managed to still not get murdered despite absolutely everybody hating his guts. Nice. Klausowitz said it, it was a good thing that the Tsar had left the army. Seeing it in such a state would have lowered his resolve and made him surrender. Mm. <laughs> Though, didn't really do anything to stop everyone from blaming him for the fall of the capital. Uh, Rumors began to spread that people were plotting his death and openly said they wanted his sister on the throne instead. And his sister agreed, sending a letter to Alexander that she should be Tsarina. <laughs> How did he respond? I don't think he did. He's like, fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, I'll kill you like I killed dad. <laughs> uh, but the nobles and the officers, uh, while, while the nobles and the officers were all shitting on one another, like I said, the regular Russian population was motivated into a wave of patriotism and devotion to the Tsar. Kids ran away from school to enlist. Um, nobles who were still in school to become officers ditched and enlisted instead. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Which is, they, I'm sure they immediately regretted. Can I go back to school? Yeah. Can I just desert and become cool again? Richmond uh, grouped together to form their own gentlemen's units and design their own uniforms and names, kind of like the U.S. Civil War. Like, like <laughs> they had random states dressed, dressed up as zouaves. Oh, mm. like they designed their own uniform and called you like the assassins and the headhunters and wore like all black and shit. It's pretty awesome. But then I feel the kid- like they just had a bunch of like smokers' jackets and they were just yeah. <laughs> sweet chairs that they all lined up on. Uh, and, and most of those rich man units did their best to not see combat. Uh, they just wanted to dress up and pretend to be the military, nice. which, I mean, we don't know anybody like that at all. Not here in America. Now, these peasants were not running off to oh, join. Oh, good shot. <laughs> <laughs> these peasants were not running off to join the regular Russian army, but instead local militias. They'd get no training uniforms and sometimes even guns. Because, uh, like we said, the Tsar was pretty worried about arming the masses that weren't in the military. Uh, because they finally decide they were sick of his shit and probably start the Russian Revolution about a hundred years too soon. So like Ooh, they don't want that. Yeah, well, most of the local defense forces were like have a stick with a with with a, a sharpened end or something or like a scythe. Like they talk about women who attacked French uh, forgers with scythes and axes and shit, which is pretty awesome. That's terrifying. Yeah, just imagine you're like, oh, excuse me, Miss. Uh, do you have anywhere we can? Oh, fuck, <laughs> ma'am. I just need some water. Oh, I have some water. And by water, I mean this fucking axe. Chink, chink, (laughs) chink. So they, like I said, they would kind of be given pikes and farm tools and sent off against the French troops. And the uh, formation of pikes. That'd be awesome. It happened. Uh, That actually happened a little bit during the French Revolution as well. Uh, But it had an obvious outcome. Most of these militias were, if they weren't used properly, which was in like a huge group and like, just throw them into an irregular battle, which we'll talk about next episode. Um, they didn't, they didn't work really well. They weren't going to stand in the line, and exchange gunfire with the French. They weren't going to take volleys and not run no, away. Just like the movie, the Patriot, not disciplined. <laughs> Those damn militiamen. Uh, now at, when militia numbers weren't high enough, they, they began conscri- uh, conscripting people. So like, People who weren't patriotic enough to enlist and then saw what the people who enlisted were sent off to do, they're like, well, I'm not going to be forced to do that either. They'd hack off their toes or their feet to escape. Cool, you're still good. (laughs) Good news. You only need one hand to use a machete. Fuck. Many serfs ran from their land to enlist, but were quickly turned back over to their masters who beat them and sometimes killed them uh, because even the most motivating times of history, history is still a fucking bastard. Oh, you want to help the cause. Now, those same landowners uh, ignored orders to destroy their crops uh, that could be used to, to uh, feed the enemy and instead sold those same goods to the French. Yep. 
They were bastards. It's weird. Uh, slave masters are all kind of bad. Yeah. Weird how that works. Oosh. Not heroic at all. Uh, it makes anyone feel better. There are numerous accounts of, of, of serfs rising up and murdering their masters so they could run off and join That's the army. That's fucking awesome. Which is, uh, that gave me a warm and fuzzy. Like, it's like that Dave Chappelle episode where he rewound shooting a slave master like 10 times. Yeah. I, that, whenever I, I was researching this in the book, I'm like, I'm going to read back over that. Because this, <laughs> yeah. this is the only part of the book where I'm just like, nice. Everybody else, like people dying of dysentery and like trying to, like I said, inbred idiots beefing over turf. Uh, but like serfs murdering their masters is something that always just keeps me warm at night. Um, though the peasant devotion to the czar absolutely did not extend to the military. The general populace blamed the officers uh, of the Russian army and sometimes high-ranking soldiers for the defeats, and kind of rightly so, maybe. You know, they they weren't great. Uh, and mobs of pissed-off civilians quartered officers accused them of being spies and lynched a few on occasion. Which again, nice. holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if we had that kind of military oversight or civilian oversight of the United States military, <laughs> things might be different. I don't know how you guys would get past the gate. You got to beep in. I was once sm- uh, smuggled onto Fort Knox in a trunk. <laughs> if you haven't been smuggled onto a base, what'd you do with your career? Yeah. Uh, also, another time I got on with a set of dog tags. Uh, nope, <laughs> nope, no picture ID. Nope. Yep. Uh, still, other groups of Russian civilians welcomed the French as liberators. As generally, the French military did treat them pretty well uh, when they weren't falling into an orgy of violence. Um, there's also a rumor that the emperor is going to free the serfs. Uh, so a lot of people were like, oh, if we cozy up to him now, when the, when the new Russian order gets built uh, in the, uh, under the guise of the French Empire, like, it'll be us who is on top. Mm. And also a lot of the people who worked with the French, just like the Russian military, wanted nothing to do with them. Uh, they were sex workers, criminals, smugglers, stuff like that. Um, they weren't treated well by the Russians. And I mean, admittedly, they probably weren't treated great by the French either, but they didn't kill them. Sometimes it's all it takes. Yeah. Survival. And this, this happens so often that the czar's aides were worried that the population might actually leave the czar and side with the emperor. So it, it was a pretty big deal. I mean, that didn't really work. These, because of AIDS? No. Uh, everybody has AIDS. Yeah. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, these feelings gradually went away. Um, it became clear that the French had no plans to free them, and those feelings were replaced by scenes of the French army pillaging and looting the countryside and freely massacring people along the way. Soon, instead of welcoming the French soldiers, groups of peasants would uh, skulk around at night, catch them alone, and beat them to death or pour boiling tar on them. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Hearts and minds, Napoleon. <laughs> I can imagine the French. Where'd you get tar from? <laughs> Is this a commodity around here? <laughs> we all just have, uh, it's Russia. There's this b- fucking bowls of we boiling tar, tar ever. ready to go. This whole place lousy with boiling tar. <laughs> yeah. uh, the French s- slaps the city. You know how much tar can fit in this bad boy? A fr- smack a French officer. You know, you know how much tar I can find this motherfucker? <laughs> Get the feathers. <laughs> You know, th- that whole thing I always thought was kind of funny. Like, haha, they got tarred and feathered. And I didn't realize that, How like, awful it's it would like be. body wide third degree burns. Yeah, like, oh, it, how the movies or shows make it look, oh, they're just going to dump oil, cold oil on yeah. me. And like, nope. <laughs> nope. I'm, I'm, I'm going to plaster you to the ground. And the French responded to this by being cruel uh, and, and, and seeking out revenge, causing an escalating spiral of violence between them and the people they occupied. Never heard of that before. Mm. Yep. Regardless of what caused it, the overlying unity of society against the French was all but 100%. Remember, it, it is our great unifying historical theory of, fuck those guys. <laughs> this, every series, <laughs> fuck those guys. Like, you and me, we fucking hate each other. <laughs> fuck that guy. It always comes up. Works. Meanwhile, in Moscow, Napoleon is playing pool and just kind of hanging around. <laughs> Swear to God, he was playing billiards for I hours. imagine it was probably a really nice table just around a charred building. <laughs> uh, like People commented like, normally he doesn't like billiards, but he's been playing for hours because he just did not know what to do. Uh, tell me something that I don't know, table. <laughs> tell me your secrets. Uh, he attempted to set up some kind of civilian government with his own people in place, and he tried to encourage peasants to come sell their wares in the city. So his soldiers could buy stuff from him. It, it, 
I mean, they didn't have a whole lot of supplies, but this would alleviate some of the pressures on the supply line. Also, it could kind of maybe spur some loyalty in the population uh, because there's, you know, the exchange of goods. The problem was, as soon as the peasants showed up, the soldiers fucking robbed them. Your soldiers <laughs> took everything. Like, is everybody forgetting to tell the emperor, like, sir, we literally just have 90,000 fucking criminals. They're all looting and raping people. Don't bring the peasants around. No, they're hiding. <laughs> Yeah, uh, though he did manage to get the mail system working again, so congrats on nice. that, I guess. You can run your government again. Uh, he distracted himself with letters from home and small details around the office, mostly so he wouldn't have to face up to the reality that he and his entire army were fucked. He was so detached, he stopped uh, visiting or even reviewing his army, uh, which was new for him. Like mm. pe- People were shocked that they hadn't had any parades or anything, uh, leading him to have no idea of the real state of mind or the morale other than briefings from his generals, and we all know who that, how that worked out. Even when someone did try to tell him things were bad, he would dismiss them. In one case, Mira informed him that his force was so badly wasted and needed re- reinforcement or relief of some kind. Uh, he said in one case, one of his brigades only had five horses left. Remember, oh, he's in charge of the cavalry. Yeah. Uh, Napoleon told him it didn't matter because the Russians were weak too. Hmm. Weird. Uh, in truth, the soldiers, despite having a ton of wine and various other things, were still kind of just as bad off as they had been. Though they were resting, there was a, a shortage of things like bread and meat, but they could drink through wine out of fine go- uh, cups made out of gold that they looted from a Russian noble's house. Mm. The few horses that remained had saddle sores so deep, one person commented he could see their entrails. Oh. Uh, despite all of this, nearly every letter home sung the praises of Napoleon. And I'm not talking about propaganda or anything like that. Like, they weren't forced to write these things. They literally said, yeah, I might be starving to death, but Napoleon is here, so everything will be okay. <laughs> like, le- writing letters home to oh, their wow. family. Like, don't worry, I can't die. Napoleon's in charge. Just hallucinating. Uh, but Napoleon is finally starting to see that he was fucked. But he actively took efforts to talk himself out of accepting that and acting upon it. His aides know that he had the ability to convince himself of something simply because he said it. I want a dragon brigade. Dragons <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Get me 20,000 dragons. God, somebody just put on Game of Thrones again. Uh, he, like, for instance, he saw a chart that said it normally got cold in December. So he said it's all he oh. needed. Yeah. <laughs> so he said that that's all he needed to know, ignoring the fact that there's a lot more to climate than just temperature. Like that asshole who makes climate change jokes because it's snowing. That was Napoleon. He literally fucking did that. Even though everybody pointed out, like, this is just unseasonable. This is going to turn on us because it's October and it's not that cold yet. Everyone's like, this is going to be bad. It sounds like a joke, but it's kind of true. The weather in October was unseasonably good. So he just pointed out, why could it, uh, how could it possibly get cold if it's this nice now? The man is kind of a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, and he actually made fun of people who said anything otherwise. He said that people exaggerated how bad the Russian winter really was, and it was, it was a little more than stories invented by frightened children. Now, remember, a lot of his army is Polish. They're like, no, man, it gets cold as fuck. No, look at these charts I have. It just says, good. Yeah. Uh, and the Polish units would end up fearing the best uh, because nice. they knew how to survive the winter and were prepared for it. The forces he ordered into Russia were redirected to reinforce his position around Moscow rather than to shore up those defenses around a planned line of retreat. So he was effectively cutting himself off. It was only when it finally began snowing that he realized this may have been a bad choice, so he ordered no more soldiers should be sent to Moscow. This is a few weeks apart. But I wonder if he also realized when the snow is falling, he's like, hmm, now they'll have water. (laughs) But my chart... Uh, he also formed the now horseless cavalry into infantry units, despite the fact they had no idea how to fight his lion infantry and no training was given to them. We'll be giving you broomsticks with horse heads on it. <laughs> and someone will run behind you with coconuts. Uh, now, another general pointed out that his worst infantry unit was a better infantry unit than the best cavalry unit was when it was used as infantry. What? <laughs> so it's like, don't bother. The uh, gymnastics. Uh, other generals sent their cavalry units back home to France without telling Napoleon because it'd be a, it was literally a waste of their life to make them be infantry. Fuck, that's awesome. I mean, most of them wouldn't make it, but like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a thought that counts, I guess. If I was Cav, I'd be fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all way back. Hit those coconuts. <laughs> Some units took it upon themselves to start acquiring winter jackets. Though since this was either paid for by, uh, by everyone individually or their generals. Um, now, 
there's it's super individual here. Uh, some colonels and generals were like, I'm going to buy everybody coats. Most didn't. Uh, most soldiers were left up to their own devices. This meant a huge amount of French soldiers only had the clothes on their back as the Russian winter began to dump snow on them. No coordinating effort was made by Napoleon to provide his soldiers with winter clothing. Napoleon wasn't alone in his negligence. Virtually nobody did. The furthest one of his marshals went, the, the, the highest commanders in his military than himself, was Davao, who made sure his soldiers simply had their boots repaired. I mean, Something. I guess. <laughs> now you'll be able to walk even like further that. before you starve to death. Yeah. Polish soldiers were used to the brutal winters of the East and made crampons for their horses and their boots and begged their French counterparts to do the same. Are you familiar with what crampons are? Yes. Right, uh, they're kind of like, uh, for people who are unaware, they're, you attach them to your boots. So you can I walk own a better. pair of crampons. Yeah, I, I used to. I don't need more. Uh, most people know them for mountain climbing and stuff, but you can use them to walk on ice and stuff. So it's effectively spikes that you can put on them. Um, the French blew them off, saying they didn't need them. One man who didn't was Napoleon's aide, Calancourt. He made sure the emperor's horses were all well prepared for the winter, and he suggested quite vigorously that we should probably do this for everybody. And Napoleon told him not to bother. <laughs> Again, Emperor Calancourt. Emperor Calancourt. Uh, so there was a bit of an argument here between historians, uh, and I would be uh, maybe incorrect into telling this story black and white when it came to what the Russian side at the time was doing. The popular narrative is that the Russians purposely dragged out negotiations. Uh, the idea was they would force Napoleon to wait into Moscow until winter rolled in. That's kind of what most people learn when they hear about this war. That's not uh, uh, for certain. That makes the Russian high command look cold, calculating, and brilliant. But I believe that is giving Katuzov, a guy who, remember, had a fucking picnic and one of the largest battles in European history until World War I, rather than actually command in it, too much credit. Hmm. Much like the purposeful retreat and scorched earth policy that Barclay pulled out of his ass uh, and the Tsar fucking hated it, he hated this too. Tsar wanted to attack and everybody just kind of didn't. But it was a plan born of Russian commanders just not knowing what to do. Kutuzov's aides thought the man was either confused or was afraid of doing the wrong thing, so he simply did nothing, causing them to just wait. Uh, But so like the uh, how Napoleon, Napoleon was waiting for a word from Alexander. I don't have a lot of evidence that suggests that there was like a coordinated effort on the side of the Russians. Like, ha ha, they can sit there and wait because everybody's telling Kutuzov to attack. Right. Uh, but he's just not. Yeah. So I think it's maybe somewhere in the middle where Napoleon tricked himself into staying into Moscow and Kutuzov was just bad enough at his job where it all kind of worked out. He was bad in the right way. I don't know. Some stuff aligned here. Every once in a while, you don't have to do anything. If, I mean, fuck, that was Napoleon saying, like, don't interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake. Napoleon got Napoleon. <laughs> he Napoleon himself. So yeah. congratulations. Turn, you just played yourself. <laughs> he was proud of himself. He's like, I never Napoleon myself. Yeah. To quote the, uh, the Mar- Marshal DJ Khaled. Congratulations. <laughs> you, just played, you just played yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what happened. Uh, the worst thing Russia could have done at the time was attack. So, like, everybody was like, Meh. it's cold. Yeah. I mean, it's cold for them, too. Most of these guys don't have winter coats either. No. Um, now, but Katuzov was camped in the city of Tartino, which is not that far away from Moscow. He, he got reinforced every Maybe that's single- where they get all the tar from. <laughs> it's their main ex- export is boiling tar in people's heads. Uh, his unit or his army was uh, reinforced every single day and growing stronger, which was the opposite of the Grand Army. Uh, to make things worse uh, for the French, Katuzov or at least someone in the Russian command, we don't know if it was Kutuzov or not, uh, made sure the Cossacks constantly attacked the f- and raided the French, swooping in and killing or capturing foraging parties and harassing dirty, dwindling supply line and mail. Uh, in the five weeks that the French were held up in Moscow, these raids would cost them 15,000 soldiers. Fuck. Uh, yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about the, the Cossacks in the next episode because they, they pretty much defeat the Grand Army. Really? Yeah. Um, but the, the French had absolutely no respect for them. Uh, well, we'll talk about that later. Uh, and it was now that Barclay finally resigned. Uh, Barclay Detali, our poor boy, who had managed to keep the Russians together through all this time, resigned. After saving the day at Borodino, uh, he w- which he was not given credit for, he, and everybody constantly accusing him of being a spy or a traitor and having rocks thrown in at him by his own oh, soldiers. Oh, shit. 
he finally threw his hands up and said, fuck Russia, I'm, I'm out. Though it would only be temporary. He would eventually be made a count, like we talked about before, he was made nobility, become commander of the Russian army again after Kutuzov had died after the war, and personally commanded the taking of Paris in 1814, uh, ending Napoleon's time on the throne and the French Empire. So I guess Barclay has a hell of a redemption story, depending on which side of this whole thing that you're on. Barclay's a good guy. I, I think, I mean, without Barclay, the Russians would have lost That's immediately. Um, Tsar had no idea what he's doing. Kutuzov's a fucking idiot. And Barclay is what got them to the point that they're in. Could he have done it better? Nah, I don't fucking know. But, yeah, it, he kind of wasn't given the credit he was due until he did years later. Yeah. But the Tsar, as much like he had always done, was demanding Kutuzov to attack. Kutuzov knew that they weren't quite ready, and he wasn't really willing to risk his career in telling the Tsar to fuck off. So, he attacked. But he did it how he always did it. Ordered his army out on short notice to random orders, not passed down to the normal chain of command, and straight up missing some units. So parts of his army left before others and left behind entire divisions who had no idea they were supposed to be marching. Private attack. This included Kutuzov himself, who just never left the camp. <laughs> he's, he's like me on a weekend where it's too cold and you got the window open, but you're snuggled up with your blanket. It's like, ah, I'm, I'm not getting up. I'm just going to deal with it. Yeah. I think he forgot there was an attack. <laughs> Why is everybody marching? Weird. It's loud. I'm going back to my picnic. Uh, now, instead of an easy route of the starving French soldiers, who they had actually caught in their tents and asleep, they were stomped into the dirt. With no overall command and really no unified chain of command, each Russian commander just tried to throw his men against the French independently. Um, and the French, under the strong leadership of Mira, held them off each and every time. Can you think of something worse to wake up to? And a whole bunch of screaming Russians? Yeah. Uh, literally just waking up without the screaming Russians and being in Russia in the winter. Mm. It's like, fuck, I'm still alive. Why <laughs> won't I die? <laughs> Uh, when the Russian commander who had actually shown up to the battle asked for reinforcements, Kutuzov sent them off in a different direction. <laughs> I got him right where I want him. Go left! Sir, where is the rest of the army? South, northish. Just, Just march that way. Grandma's house. Yeah. Last time I saw them, they were marching towards Hawaii. <laughs> Fuck. God damn it. Uh, but th- it was this time that the French was the one that made the tactical withdrawal. Uh, now, they they fought the Russians, and the Russians kept throwing units haphazardly into battle, uh, but they did keep fighting. Uh, but you know, eventually, they're like, you know, time to withdraw to better positions, tragically leaving behind their brothel that they had with them. Oh, <laughs> tragically. Yeah. Um, pour one out. That's actually not that um, ancient. This is 1812, but the French Foreign Legion had brothels until like 20 years ago. I was about to say like, a few months ago? I mean, officially. Uh, they probably still kind of exist. I don't know. Uh, the Russians were unable to score a victory that they wanted, but Kutuzov showed up at, long after the battle was over and sent a letter to the Tsar saying that they had routed the French in a glorious victory. He didn't write that. <laughs> yeah, his aide did. Yeah. It, it's like... The f- <laughs> He's probably saying nonsense. His handler at this point, yeah. St. Petersburg uh, honored them by two days of ceremonies in Kutuzov's honor. Again, like... He was asleep through most of it. <laughs> What happened? <laughs> the, the French got away, sir. We won, we did. Hmm. Fly the banner! <laughs> it's like being a Lions fan and you... <laughs> and, like, you make it to the playoffs and lose by 30, like, but we made it to the playoffs! <laughs> Katuzov is the ultimate Lions fan. Drunk. Doesn't really know where he is. Probably not wearing shoes. <laughs> where are my loafers? <laughs> Obviously, everyone in the immediate vicinity knew that none of this was true, uh, but as probably as confused as everybody else that like these lies were working. Uh, like Katuzov's like, Tsar is not to me yet? Hell yeah. <laughs> After the not-so-glorious victory, the Russians once again sat on their asses and did nothing. Commanders of all ranks screamed at Katuzov to do something, but he just wouldn't. But he couldn't hear him. <laughs> he has to bring up that huge comical horn. Yeah, what? <laughs> After the battle on the outskirts of Moscow, Napoleon began to draw up plans for his evacuation of the city. This is done without consulting anyone else. His marshals, not if not tending to the troops, literally just sat outside his office and waited to be told something. I hope his plans were just like a giant circle, like, we are here, arrow that way. Arrow back to France? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Careful now, I'm, I'm working on a genius strategy. And it's just like a crayon map of France. Uh... 
Now, eventually, word was passed down for the soldiers to prepare to go, and most were happy to do so. But a sudden fear gripped the population of the city that stayed behind, suddenly realizing that when the Russian army showed back up, they would definitely be lynched for working with the French. So they, too, began to pack their bags to leave with the French. Uh, Many soldiers dumped their things that they would need on the march in order to transport more looted goods and hope to sell them when they got back home. One, food, sol- one soldier had no food or replacement clothes, but brought tens of pounds of fine yes. dining dishes and an entire vase. If I live, this is worth something. Other soldiers like dumped out uh, like musket cleaning uh, kits and like uh, cartridges and stuff so they could carry all like silver and gold. One person had an entire silver cross that was ripped from a church stuffed into his bag. Fuck. <laughs> like, Where's your rifle, son? I sold it. Pierre, don't you need some bread? Like, nah, man, I got a whole backpack full of stolen dresses, which one guy did have. Stolen silk dresses, yep. Artillery crews dumped out shells and and charges to make room for their booty, while the company smiths would leave behind anvils, horseshoes, and nails so they could bring around more loot. One officer remarked that he could not believe his eyes as the ragged column made their way out of the city. Soldiers were not wearing any uniforms or carrying weapons, dragged along by skinny horses that were hooked up to wagons. <laughs> with so many looted bags on them, it was really forcing them to a, a bunch halt. of naked guys and <laughs> the horses, kill me. All while crowds of Russian sex workers followed them out of the city in various stages what of dress. Fuck? <laughs> it, it, someone commented that it looked more like a mass migration than an army on the march. The Grand Army was now down to around 95,000 men, but probably less. Is this the migration or the army? The army's over there. We're the migration. (laughs) They were joined by 50,000 camp followers and civilians, almost all of whom came out of Moscow. Amongst them was 40,000 non-military wagons that were brought out of the city, most of them being pulled by hand. Fuck Because there's no fucking horses. I would leave it. Yeah. Like, you know what? And to be fair, a lot of soldiers made it a couple miles out of the city. Were like, "Fuck this!" and just left all their loot on the side of the road. But then the the camp followers and stuff would just pick it up and throw it in their wagons. <laughs> Trickle down economics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Napoleon planned to withdraw to the Polish border and set up his winter quarters. His army would never make it that far, and that Ooh. is where we will pick up and end next week. Ooh. Yep. And oh man, if you're interested in hearing about the various ways that French soldiers froze to death and ate their friends, do I have an episode for you? I am. Because <laughs> I read into the Donner Party. So now I'm interested. This is like the, the Napoleon's retreat from Moscow is like the Donner Party if the Donner Party had 95,000 people in it. Yeah. Not, it was awful reading it. it. It's, it's not good. Um, Did I laugh a few times? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So that is uh, part five. Nice. Um, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Nick, for clawing your way out of <laughs> yeah. Army Prison to join us here again today. Um, thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. I uh, hope what we do is continues to be worth your time and money. Uh, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Later.